Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Justin Ruderman. And I'm Garrett Post. And today we'll be covering match day 14 and 15 in the Premier League since we had midweek fixtures. And we will also be covering the latest from the MLS Cup playoffs in which we now know our two finalists. So, Garrett, get us started in match week four, match day 14. So we started on Tuesday with uh, a, a couple clashes towards the bottom of the table. Firstly, we had a relegation six-pointer between Newcastle and Norwich and kind of consistent with what's been going on for most of the season. There was no winner in this game. It ended a 1-1 draw. And then the other game was Leeds finding a victory against Palace, um, a, a really big win for them. And it was Rafinha scoring from the spot in the 94th minute uh, to win it for Leeds. Um, and, and then Justin... On Wednesday, we had uh, six games, a full slate. Um, we'll start with City going up against Villa at Villa Park. Um, obviously, Steven Gerrard's, I think, third game in charge in the Premier League um, uh, as the manager of the Villains. Justin, talk us through what happened. Yeah, so we had a 2-1 win for City, of course. Starting off, uh, City, early on in the game, we're creating a lot of chances. Villa were really open to begin the game. It just in the first five or ten minutes, uh, City created a lot of chances. It looked like they would score in, in, in those first ten minutes. It didn't happen. He did score uh, relatively early with through Ruben Diaz in the 27th minute, uh, his second goal in the Premier League for Manchester City since arriving, um, and that that put City up one nil. City continued their dominance for pretty much the entire first half. Bernardo Silva uh, at the end of the half and in the 43rd minute made it 2-0 uh and you know you thought city would keep going from there but uh, in the second half villa came out with some energy and immediately struck back through ollie watkins made it 2-1 um and and that's how it ended it was you know city dominated possession dominated the game for the most part but um villa had some chances were able to capitalize through ollie watkins but really uh weren't able to find much to to uh threaten city for that second only three shots on target the entire game for aston villa um so it deserved a deserved win for city here for sure yeah i mean the the xg actually was relatively close um with city only edging at 1.18 to 0.78 but that's largely down to the fact that city's second goal bernardo silva uh, you know, that's a very low XG chance. It was a brilliant finish on the full volley, just a fantastic goal from Bernardo Silva. Um, and yeah, that would end up being the winner. Um, you know, Villa have looked very potent going forward under Gerard. There's been a lot of talk about how just aggressive they've been attacking and they, they really haven't had troubles finding goals recently um, under Gerard thus far, but um, you know, just not enough. To, to get that win or to equalize rather against city. And then just in the big game of that day um, was the Merseyside Derby, which we did talk uh, a bit about last episode in, in our mega episode, um, just previewing it a bit. And uh, basically exactly what I thought was going to happen happened. And um, I actually went to my friend's house who is a Liverpool fan to watch this game. I predicted four one before kickoff and I was right. Um, I'll talk you through the goals. It was Jordan Henderson who opened the scoring in the ninth minute, a really, really good finish on his left foot, a cut back to the top of the box um, by Andy Robertson. And then Jordan Henderson just kind of sweeped it, curled with his left foot into the um, bottom left-hand corner. Jordan Pickford, no chance. 
And then in the 19th minute, it would just go from bad to worse for Everton. It was Mohamed Salah who would go through um, on a fast break and just a fantastic finish past Pickford again. This time, you know, just opened up his hips on his strong left foot, placed it right in the top corner, and it was 2-0. But Everton got a little bit of hope before halftime. It was Damari Gray um, who got fed in by a fantastic ball from Richarlison outside of the right foot um, and managed to squeak it past Allison, made it 2-1 at half. But then Liverpool, you know, actually Everton had some decent chances at the beginning of the second half. But uh, Mohamed Salah, just being Mohamed Salah, scored again in the 64th minute. It was a horrible, horrible mistake by Seamus Coleman, who just completely misjudged a ball. It was coming back to the halfway line. He was the last defender. Salah just skips past him and then managed to squeeze it past uh, Pickford. And then just to add insult to injury, well, and I guess suppose make my prediction correct, it was Yoga Jata who scored the fourth in the 79th minute um, just to add, you know, rub a bit of salt in the wounds for Everton. Uh, But Justin, this is exactly what we saw coming. Liverpool in fantastic form. Everton, that was their eighth game in a row without a victory. So um, no surprises here. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, uh, this is pretty much what was expected. And Mohamed Salah, of course, um, with a brace and and I believe he got an assist as well. yeah, I mean, just showing his class. We we in the we've talked about it in the past two games. Probably the two most informed players in the world right now, Mohamed Salah uh, and Bernardo Silva, both scoring goals there. So yeah, n- nothing much more than you would expect uh, from Liverpool in that game. Yeah, and then before we move on uh, to one of the other games that we're going to talk about, just flipping through a couple of the other results um, from Wednesday. Uh, we had Wolves and Burnley in a nil-nil draw, so that was fascinating. West Ham and Brighton drew 1-1 at the London Stadium. Chelsea found a way to win 2-1 um, at Vicarage Road um, you know, in Watford, obviously. And then Leicester and Southampton had a very entertaining 2-2 draw on the South Coast um, at St. Mary's Stadium. But Justin, at Old Trafford, United-Arsenal, um, probably the second biggest matchup of the weekend. Um, and, and it was quite a game, wasn't it? Certainly was. Certainly was. Um, I was watching this one on my phone in the car driving. Um, it was, yeah, a fantastic game, as you say. Well, you weren't the one driving. We, we should make that clear. <laughs> yes, sorry. Good, good, good point. I, I wasn't the one driving. I was in a passenger seat uh, watching the game, uh, thankfully. But yes, as, as you say, I, well, it was the first goal, though, that had all the controversy uh, with Emile Smith-Rowe uh, poking into an empty net where it went De Gea just on the ground because he had been stepped on uh, by Fred and, and decided not to get up. It thought it was a foul. It was originally called a foul. VAR said no foul, obviously, because his, your own teammate stepping on you is not a foul. Yeah. So the, the, the uh, goal went through eventually, but... Very weird circumstances, some controversy there uh, around, around the first goal. And then uh, Bruno Fernandez with his uh, first goal from open play, I believe the entire season uh, in, in the 44th minute to equalize. No, since, since Leeds, since Leeds, because that first game of the season, he had, he had three right. goals all from open play. Good, good point. Yes, yeah, so since, since the first game of the season. Um, yeah. So not quite the entire season. Yeah. And then uh, it was Ronaldo, of course, putting United up 2-1. He thought, oh, well, there it is. Ronaldo won it again. But no, Martin Odegaard, 54th minute to equalize. 
And then we get it again. Cristiano Ronaldo. It has to be. And at the, from the penalty spot, too. So we know both uh, United haven't gotten too many penalties this year, um, which was, of course, a lot of hate getting on them last year for, for getting a lot of penalties. It hasn't been the case this year. Uh, but when they did, Bruno Sky, the last one, um, and, and so he didn't get this one. It was Ronaldo, and he buried it uh, to give United the 3-2 win in, a, as you say, an exciting, exciting game. Yeah, I was fuming because I sold Ronaldo coming into this game, and then he scored twice. So my FPL further in the mud, having a horrible season. But yeah, quite a game. Um, and we'll talk about Arsenal a little bit later as well because obviously we – so we're recording this on, on Monday night. Obviously, they played against Everton today. We'll talk about that later. But Martin Odegaard, I will just say, is, is kind of coming into some good form now. He's scored in back-to-back games because he did score today. Uh, his goal against United was quite lucky. He basically kicked it off his own plant foot, and it just happened to find the corner. Um, but yeah, that first goal for Arsenal was just bizarre. I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, by the laws of the game, you know, that goal stands. It was not a foul. And De Gea just decided to, to stay on the ground. And obviously he was fine because he kept playing. So just really, really strange. And then uh, the last game um, of, of the midweek, also on Thursday, was Spurs picking up a pretty comfortable 2-0 win at home against Brentford. I think the most notable thing about that was the fact that uh, Harry Kane nor Hyungman, or I guess Hyungman's son did score, but Harry Kane, yet again, not on the score sheet. Um, and now, Justin, we'll, we'll move on to match week 15, um, the games from this weekend, uh, starting with Saturday. Absolutely. We can, uh, there, were, there were a lot of games Saturday, um, I believe uh, five of them. It started off uh, with at a 4.30 in the morning with a big one in West Ham versus Chelsea, uh, which was, uh, you know, another big game, the London Derby. Uh, Thiago Silva opened the scoring for Chelsea in the 26th minute with a header uh, off of a Mason Mount corner. And really no marking. Antonio was the closest guy to him, but n- no uh, competition for that header at all. Free header for Thiago Silva, uh, right past Fabianski into the goal for 1-0. And then in the 40th minute, it was a Jorginho back pass to Mendy, which was, there was just no space for that back pass. It was uh, a bad idea from Jorginho and put Mendy in a terrible position who then fouled, uh, I believe it was Bowen, from went through the back of him. Definitely no need for that. And Lanzini uh, buried the penalty into the side netting. Uh, very, very good penalty to make it uh, 1-1. Then it was Mason Mount uh, in the 44th minute. What a finish. A absolutely incredible finish with the inside of the boot. Full volley off of a ball across the pitch from Ziyech. Uh, just a beautiful, beautiful goal. Um, finishing with the inside of his foot into the bottom right corner. And made it 2-1, but it was West Ham again through Jared Bowen coming back in the 56th minute to equalize. And uh, then it was Masuaku in the 87th off of a deflection, beating uh, beating Mendy at his near post. He was wrong-footed. A little bit of luck, maybe, but it, it got the win. It, it got the job done for West Ham. It's a massive win for West Ham. Uh, it's also a massive loss for Chelsea, of course. Definitely. Um, but yeah, keeping West Ham in the top four, keeping them uh, 
alive and and kicking. It's it's a big win for them. Yeah, I mean the the Masuaku goal was obviously very strange, Justin. I don't actually think it took a deflection. I was looking at it and I don't see it hitting a Chelsea body anywhere. I think it was just he was trying to cross it and he just accidentally knuckleballed it basically into the top corner. And, you know, Mendy was already coming out of his goal, assuming that it was going to get crossed in on the left foot. And he got caught out because I don't think him nor Masuaku expected it to end up flying into the net. So, yeah, very strange circumstances for West Ham to to win the game. But, yeah, you know, this has a lot of um, consequences, this loss for Chelsea. Obviously, they are no longer top of the league. That goes to your team, Justin, who who found a 3-1 win over Watford. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Is a big result for West Ham and just their amazing season continues on. Um, but uh, yeah, I did, I did just have to mention, man, that Mason Mount goal is just the technique on that is he made it look ridiculously easy. And that is, you know, anything but um, on, on that kind of chance. Um, and, and then Justin, just so I just mentioned it, just talking about city going to Vicarage road, um, Raheem Sterling opened the scoring after four minutes, Foden crossed it in, completely left on mark at, at the back post. Sterling headed it into the ground and up into the top corner. And then it was Bernardo Silva, uh, who had a brace in this game, actually, you know, just in fantastic form. Obviously, I mentioned he had that great full volley against Villa as well. Um, he had kind of an interesting goal in the 31st minute where uh, he actually slipped Guna one in, who then took a shot. It got saved, came back to Bernardo Silva, and he scored from a, a crazy angle. His second goal, though, just in the 63rd minute, just cut inside of Danny Rose, left him for dead, and and just whipped it into the top corner. You know, Bachman was actually having a pretty decent game for Watford, but he had absolutely no chance of, of stopping that one from going in. Um, and then Cucho would end up getting a, a consolation goal for Watford, but wouldn't matter other than me not getting a, a Cancelo clean sheet on FPL because nothing can go my way at the moment. <laughs> But yeah, convincing win for City, and it puts them top of the league. Justin, you must be buzzing. Top of the league, yep. As you say, uh, yeah. As, as I mean, it's obviously extremely tight race. There's a lot of uh, football to be played, but count them: seven straight wins uh, in all competitions for Manchester City. the The run is starting. It started last year. We did it, and and just ran started you know, took over the league last year. It's looking like it might be a similar idea here, hopefully, at least from my perspective. I mean, there's, you definitely have more competition this year though than last year. Um, Cause you're still, you know, you've, you've won five straight in the league and you've won seven straight in all competitions. And yet you're still only two points clear of third place, Chelsea and one point clear of second place, Liverpool. So um, it, it's going to be a, a, a great, I mean, I would say end of the season, but this whole season, you know, this title race, three horse race, it's going to be fantastic. Um, so yeah, but let's, if you guys let's keep move on like to this. one of the other horses in this, this race, uh, Liverpool. So we oh, moved yeah. on from Chelsea to city and now we go to the third in the, in the race, which is Liverpool. Uh, what a game this was. It, uh, you know, a complete domination from Liverpool, pretty much the entire game. Uh, they've created chances after chances that Jota one, uh, uh, you can't tell me how he doesn't finish that. Um, but it it didn't matter all in the end because it was that man, Divock Origi, in the 94th minute yeah. off the bench to win it for uh, Liverpool. That I, I, This one, I'll be honest, this one frustrated me because I thought Wolves played really well. Um, I thought they were very good on the counterattack. Obviously, they gave up chances, no doubt, uh, and, and could have, you know, uh, 
conceded a lot more than one goal. However, uh, I, I just I'm surprised. I, I looked at the XG um, and it was ridiculously low for um, for Wolves. It was the, the XG was two point three two for Liverpool to point one four for Wolves. It's nothing. That is that is less than nothing. It is ridiculously small. But this is where I we use XG a lot on this uh, podcast. But this is where I think it does fail a little bit because Wolves were many times that one final through ball away uh, from from creating a one on one with Allison. Um, many times on the counter attack, it was Adama Traore beating a couple guys, uh, and there was a ball to be played. So I, I think that. Wolves definitely had a lot more chances to to score than that uh, that that XG tells you. I think you know that I felt that they honestly deserved a draw because they played so well. It might not have been the most attractive uh, f- football you've ever seen. Kind of people people compared it to Burnley because you know they sat back a lot. Um, but it, it was the Adama Traore show, in my opinion. It, he was f- so much fun to watch in that game as he often is um, but yeah just wasn't enough because Divock Origi that clutch man that Colt hero yeah Colt hero really is the best description isn't it um, but I mean also you you mentioned that stat but is that really surprising from uh, from Wolves right their problem has been kind of that incisive baller quality in the final third for quite a while. Cause we know that they get into good positions and, you know, that's kind of the problem with Adama Traor. We know that he can beat pretty much any defender that there is, but then it's finding that final ball or finding that finish, which can really elude them at times. But yeah, definitely a deserved win for Liverpool looking at these stats. And yeah, I don't know how Divock Origi, like it, it, it just out of nowhere, who saw that coming? He just has a clutch gene. Um, and it's very annoying, particularly when you're an Everton fan, thinking back to 2018-19 and yep. the header off the bar and everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I will not be upset when he finally leaves Liverpool, which the fact that still hasn't happened is a bit mind-blowing. Yeah, we'll move on from your minor PTSD from the – we'll move on from the, <laughs> from, from, the, from the title race to the relegation battle. Um, with Newcastle finding their first win of the season finally through a goal, a 40-minute goal from Callum Wilson. Uh, this is what Newcastle have been waiting for for the entire season. They've been trying to find that win. They've been drawing a lot of games. Finally, they get that win. I believe they are the last professional team in England to get a win this season. Um, which is, That's a stat. Which is a, which is a ridiculous statement, yeah. Um, and the goal was very lucky as well. It was a, a cross came in. And uh, Nick Pope kind of grabbed it. And then as he fell to the ground, it just popped out of his hand. Ball falls to Callum Wilson and he puts it in the roof of the net. It was actually, you know, a difficult finish considering the keeper was out. There's still a couple of men on the line and a couple of guys who could have blocked the shot. But, you know, he put it straight in the roof of the net. It was a great finish. Um, and, and, you know, enough to find Newcastle finally their first three points of the season. Um, or three points in one game, I suppose. And it puts them, Justin, we have three teams level on 10 points in the relegation zone in Burnley and Newcastle, right? The two teams playing this game. And then, of course, Norwich City. Um, and then Watford only three points clear of them. So we thought the relegation race looked a bit dead, but um, it's actually alive and well. And it's still kind of anyone's game as to who 
gets that 17th spot and stays up, you know, we're maybe thinking, you know, Leeds, United, uh, Southampton, Palace, they should all be fine, you know, potentially above 17th. So it could be a kind of a four horse race um, for who's going to get that spot to survive, but definitely something that we're going to need to keep an eye on because, um, you know, Norwich picking up some points after the sacking of Daniel Farka has really shot this into life, especially now with Newcastle finally finding a win. And then, you know, God knows how much money they might end up spending next month when the transfer window opens. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Yep. Burnley currently in 18th, Newcastle in 19th uh, with that win. And, and of course, Norwich City losing to uh, Tottenham Hotspur 3-0. Again, Harry Kane ab- unable to find a goal involvement in that game. It's unbelievable, um, his drought. Uh, some other games we had were, uh, on Saturday, we had Southampton-Brighton draw with Malpe getting the stoppage time winner. Uh, in uh, the equalizer. Yeah, sorry. Equalizer. Thank you. Uh, Stoppage time equalizer in the 98th minute. Uh, We had another stoppage time equalizer. This time uh, at Ellen Road, it was Patrick Bamford off the bench to equalize uh, in the 95th minute for Leeds to get a 2-2 draw uh, against Brentford there. So a couple couple exciting stoppage time equalizers. And then we can move. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and then there was a very exciting winner at Old Trafford as United took on Palace, and, and it was Fred, of all people, Justin, who scored just a, a brilliant goal um, from kind of the right side, outside the box, probably, you know, good best part of 25, 30 yards away, and he just wrapped his foot around it, got it in the top left corner. Nothing that Vicente Guaita could do about it. A brilliant goal and, you know, an important three points for United, their first game with Ralph Ranić on, on the sideline. Um, and, and, you know, a big win for them. Wasn't the prettiest, you know, only one goal margin, but found a way to get it done from Fred of all people. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, first game for uh, Ragnik in charge. He, uh, the... I've seen a lot about this game because a lot of United fans are very excited about, uh, you know, the, the, pressing the new the new style of play um that they feel like they finally have a style that maybe they didn't have under ole um and and it's true i mean the thing is is that they didn't actually create that many chances it's not like they were you know really potent but if you look at their uh their average positioning it's much higher up it's about 10 15 yards up the pitch from where ole would uh have their average positioning at so much higher pressing team uh and and yeah there's just a lot of energy in that united team you could tell uh with with that um appointment of ralph ragnit and then we had uh i was gonna say the last picture on sunday correct the last picture on sunday um between a a mid-table clash we got between aston villa and leicester city uh, it was Ezri Kansa with a brace winning it for Leicester for, for Aston Villa, um, two to one. It was Harvey Barnes getting on the score sheet for Leicester. Pretty good game, honestly, but uh, nothing too exciting. It's just a mid-table clash between two average teams. Yeah, but, but I mean, Villa have been have been playing quite well under Gerrard. It's now three wins from four in the Premier League under him. Obviously, the one loss coming against City midweek. 
Um, but Lester, I, I think Brendan Rodgers is really on the hot seat now because you say mid-table clash as if that's something expected when it's not because I don't think coming into the season anyone expected Lester to be considered a mid-table club, but that's where they are right now. You know, they're, they're sat firmly in 11th place, now level on points with Villa, only one point ahead of Everton, which is quite shocking considering, you know, all the attention that we're getting for how poor we've been, especially in the past, you know, two months even. Um, so I, I think Brendan Rodgers really needs to have, you know, be looking over his shoulder because I, I wouldn't be surprised, Justin, if we see him getting replaced sooner than later if, if Lester keep playing like this because it's just simply not good enough with the talent that they have and the depth considering, you know, the signings they made this summer. So I, I think that's definitely something we need to keep an eye on. It's a good point. I mean, I, we, we talked about it earlier in the season on this podcast. Um, that Lester started off the season very poorly. It was around that. They drew with Burnley, then they drew with Palace. Uh, couldn't find those wins. It was it was that four two win over United that kind of quieted that talk. Um, but it, it's starting to come up again, as you say, and rightfully so. Uh, Leicester City should not be sitting in the bottom half of the table, which is where they're sitting right now. No, certainly not. And then we can move on to today. The the your game, uh, sir. Uh, talk about a good game this was. Uh, Everton, Arsenal at Goodison Park. Garrett, walk us through it. I mean, it was it was a very entertaining game. I was actually watching again with a couple of friends, both Gunners fans, so I ended up getting the last laugh. But before we talk about that, um, you know, obviously coming into this game, it, it was you know a must win for Everton in my opinion not even from a you know we're going to get relegated standpoint or something like that but more just in terms of the atmosphere and you know if we didn't if we lost this game um, just the fan base would be so toxic there's already I mean and it still is even with the win um, because of a lot of the stuff that's going on and a lot of fans myself included um, just are at odds and disagree with what the club's leadership is doing. That um, cannot be summarized with anything better than Marcel Brands's departure, which was announced on Sunday. Late Sunday night is when the, the club officially announced it, but we, were getting, we got the reports as soon as we woke up, Justin, on Sunday. Um, the director of football, obviously, if, if people, listeners don't know who Marcel Brands is, well, the former director of football now, um, but there was a lot of kind of laundry that got aired out as soon as he left in terms of, you know, he did not want to appoint Ancelotti nor Benitez, um, but Mashiri overruled him. And then Mashiri did the same thing, um, you know, deadline day of the 2019-20 season, signing Alex Awobi from Arsenal for way too much money. Um, and that was not something brands wanted. Um, and so it, just kind of poses the question, what's the point of hiring a director of football if you don't let them direct football? Um, so, just you know, I think, I think Mashiri is coming under a lot of criticism right now and duly so because I, he is not doing a, a great job running the club whatsoever um, as the owner. Brought in all this money and a lot of it has been wasted. Um, and then he brings in someone to help him not waste it and then waste it anyway. So I, I just don't really understand what they're doing and hopefully Mashiri can figure out, you know, a better plan, but it doesn't really seem like that considering the only person on our board who, who really knows anything about running a football club was Marcel Brands and we just let him go because Mashiri decided, you know, Oh, Benitez is more important. But anyway, tangent aside coming into this game, 
there was a lot of stories surrounding, you know, Everton fans potentially doing a walkout in the 27th minute. It was 27 minutes for 27 years, um, which is 27 years is, is how long ago Everton won a trophy, which is quite shocking. Um, and there were some fans that, that walked out. Um, but kind of the story of this game was VAR, uh, to be honest. There was a, a challenge, well, not really a challenge, but Ben Godfrey could have seen red from VAR. Basically, Tomiyasu fell to the ground right next to him, and Godfrey incidentally stepped on his face. I personally don't think it's, it's a red card. I think it should have probably been a yellow just because it's pretty careless. But it's, it's not – like, it was clearly unintentional, and I think sending him off would have been really tough. But then we had Richarlison scored three goals in this game, Justin, only one of which counted because VAR overturns two of them for offside. The first one – he was offside, unfortunately. It was close, but he was offside. And the second one, Justin, like, we got told all, all this about thicker lines and whatnot. Millimeters. But if, if that's offside, man, like, game is the game's dead if that's offside. Obviously, this has gone in Everton's favor a couple of times, you know, Sadio Mane in the Derby last year. But um, that's just not offside. And Richarlison was so visibly frustrated. But he would get his goal, Justin, because Damari Gray would smack one off the bar in the 79th minute. And Richarlison was the first to react. He was clearly onside this time. And it was actually, I, I don't think he's getting enough credit for how good of a finish it was because he was basically at a standstill, had to jump backwards, get the header up over Ramsdale and back under the bar. Um, you know, made it look pretty easy when that was actually anything but easy, um, that finish. And that made it 1-1. And then Justin, Damari Gray, just we've talked about him so much on this podcast. He's been by far the brightest spark for Everton this season, especially considering Calvert-Lewin's long injury absence. But he got the ball, for great, some great work from Andre Gomez in the 92nd minute, got the ball out to Gray. He cuts inside Tomiyasu, cuts inside Ben White, and just unleashes a strike off the post and in, sending the Gladys Street into ruptures, uh, taking his shirt off, a fantastically executed knee slide um, and Martin Tyler went absolutely nuts on the call and it was beautiful and it was goosebumps. And I was celebrating like an absolute idiot next to my Arsenal fans who are not loving it. Um, what a goal is all I can say. What a goal. What a signing. Yeah. What a signing. And I want to know who's, who's responsible. Is it brands or is it Moshiri? Who's responsible for that one? Because wow, uh, just an absolute steal. Uh, for the price that you know Everton got him for, but yeah, as you say, it, it was the finish, it was the ending. Um, we've had a lot of stoppage time goals. We've been talking about this was the stoppage time winner, uh, and it was deserved. I mean, as you say, Richarlison had goals that he should have, or not that he should have, but he, he almost scored a hat trick in this game. Um, and yeah, it, it is VAR where it's it's become frustrating because there's no way that Richarlison knows he's offside there. There's no way that he looks across and, and thinks that he, you know, went early. He's trying to time his run as perfectly as he can. Um, and it's just, it's just unfortunate because it really is millimeters. As you say, we've heard a lot about the the thicker lines. It, I haven't really seen anything uh, about it. Um, I will say VR has improved this year through, uh, you know, more more adhering to the clear and obvious although not necessarily that they do it as much as they should but it's definitely better um uh, whereas the the thicker lines i haven't seen any improvement on at all um as well i feel i feel we must mention uh, odegaard's odegaard's uh finish because he put arsenal up one nil 
uh, in, yeah. in in uh, first half stoppage time. Just moments after Richarlison's first disallowed goal as well. So it was like a huge momentum shift in the game right there in first half stoppage time. Absolutely. And that was a really good finish um, with his left foot. The ball was behind him. My hot take of the day is that that is a harder finish than Mason Mount's finish. Um, no, no. Yeah, in my opinion, no it is. It's, it's behind him. Uh, it's harder to I mean, to he hit. shinned it's... it in. He shinned it in. He didn't even get the proper contact on his foot. It just happened to hit his leg and find the quarter. But Justin, he was eight yards out as opposed to like 13, and he was right in front of the goal. Like, it was a good. It was a. It was a great goal. I mean, and Kieran Tierney got very lucky, honestly, to get the cross off because the only reason he got past Coleman is that he completely miscontrolled it, but it happened to be a really good touch right past Coleman, um, and then whipped it in. But like you know, it's a good finish from Odegaard. But there's no way it, that it's more difficult than Mason Mount. I'm not having that. Yeah, well, that's why I say it's a hot take. In my opinion, it is harder because number one, he had less time to react. Mason Mount had all the time in the world to think about that ball when it was flying from Ziek. Number two, uh, it's behind him. Mason Mount walked onto that ball. Um, and Mason Mount just f- side-footed it. I agree that he made it look easier than it was. No doubt. It's Odegaard not ran finish. into it, Justin. Odegaard ran onto it. I don't know what you're talking about. I, it's my opinion. Okay, well, I, I disagree strongly. But either way, it's a good finish. I think we can agree on that. It was a good goal. And we can also was... agree that regardless, the best finish of the game was Damari Gray off oh, yeah. of the inside of the post. Ramsdale had no chance. He didn't even move. He literally didn't even think it was worth diving um, because it was so well hit from Damari Gray. Banged it off the inside of the post. Uh, just an absolute stunner, as you say. He ripped it off so his shirt. hard. <laughs> he did. He did hit it extremely hard, almost as hard as he ran into the Everton fans and then ran out immediately <laughs> once they tried to mob yeah. him. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, it's, it's a big win for Everton, especially after what happened with Marcel Brands. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to see how uh, it, it affects Everton going forward, but it's a big win in that it puts them in 12th place. As you say, only one point uh, behind Leicester and Villa. So back in that, in, you know, the middle of the table, rather than as opposed to being 16th, right? Exactly. As opposed to being 16th. So big win uh, for Everton there for sure. And congratulations on it. Yeah. We have palace next week uh, at Selhurst park. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Calvert Lewin's return is on the horizon. So that's definitely something to look forward to. But with that, Justin, I think now it is time for us to move on to the MLS Cup playoffs. When we picked up last, we had three of the four conference semis having been played. Only New England and New York hadn't been played. And that's where we'll start, where we'll start Justin, at Gillette Stadium. Um, and, and you called it. I will say you called it. Um, you foresaw NYC getting an upset in, in that game. And it's exactly what happened. It was uh, another penalty shootout. Um, and, and this time the supporters shield winners and the record MLS regular season point getters, New England, um, number one seed getting knocked out. And this, this MLS cup playoffs has really just been the story of upsets, Justin, hasn't it? Yeah, there have been a good amount of upsets. Absolutely. This one, you said it, it's just, I saw it coming. It's New York city came in first of all, in, in good form. They have a lot of players ready. Castellanos is, you know, in the form, uh, that he, that everyone would want him to be. And New England, on the other hand, have been resting for two weeks. They hadn't gotten to play a game. 
if I'm New England, I'm furious with uh, the MLS because it is it is a huge loss to them that they are not uh, able to play and that they have to rest all this time. Rest is a good thing to an extent, uh, but after that, it just becomes rust. So, yeah. and and that's what we saw with, with New England. Um, although the, you know they the we got we got those two early goals. Uh, Rodriguez in in the third minute, and then Buxa in the ninth. Thought you were getting the game of the century starting, and then we then it was nil nil for the rest of uh, regular time. Um, yeah, and then of course Castellanos, that man, Golden Boot winner, uh, in in extra time, and then we had Buchanan. Wow, what a game it was! Because Buchanan in the 118th minute equalized. I mean, you thought it was over when New York when when Castellanos. You thought Castellanos won it in overtime, and this is why. Uh, we don't have golden goal anymore. Now we have. Now we play the full time because because we can get excitement like this with uh, Buchanan in 118th minute. Of course, after Castellanos himself got sent off, and and yeah, but yeah, then it, it then went to penalties and six or sorry five three on penalties to New York City. Yeah, fantastic game, as you say. Uh, it wasn't that hard to see coming. I think I, I don't think I was the only one who saw it coming. I think there were a lot of people who said, you know, this this is a little bit of a trap game for New England, um, and it ended up being that way. So New York City moved on to face Philadelphia at Subaru Park in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and that game was kind of marred by some COVID, I guess, controversies, what you'd call it. Because Philadelphia were missing a lot of players because of a COVID outbreak and, you know, MLS didn't postpone it and they almost pulled it off anyway because they took the lead, Justin, in the 63rd minute of that game at Subaru Park through a Kyan's own goal, but instant response from New York City through Maxi Morales. And then it was Basilar Martins in the 88th minute who found the winner for New York to send them to MLS Cup. Um, but, I mean, I think both Philadelphia and New England can probably feel pretty hard done by um, both taking L's to New York city under, you know, quite strange circumstances. Um, but you know, you can only play what's in front of you. That's what New York did. And, and they're booking themselves that they booked themselves a trip to Portland. And, you know, we'll talk about the other side of the bracket in just a second, but um, yeah, two, two upsets in a row, from New York City there against the one and two seeds. So definitely, although it was weird circumstances, got to give them a lot of credit. Absolutely. As you say, 11 players out for uh, Philadelphia. That is just ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that many. That's crazy. Yeah, 11. Um, many of those starters, of course, including their number one and arguably the best goalkeeper in MLS and Andre Blake. Um, so yeah, definitely big losses for them, but New York city weren't full strength themselves, of course, because Castellanos was suspended for this game after getting a red card, uh, in the, in extra time against new England, which was a ridiculously stupid challenge, by the way, there was absolutely no reason to make it. He's lucky New York city were able to find the win here because he should be playing in that game. He should have never made that challenge, um, against new England to get sent off. But yeah, it was, it was, as you say, the, the own goal with Shabilko pressuring. I thought Shabilko scored it at first, but it, it ended up being the own goal. Correct call. Um, and then you say Max Morales. For that, that response, I, I the, the game wasn't that exciting up until then, but then it, it just burst to life in those two goals. And then uh, we had the Western Conference final between 
Portland and San Jose or sorry, San Jose Re- redo it. And then we had the Western conference final between Portland and Real Salt Lake uh, at Providence park. This was a- another really good game. It was RSL coming in on their hot streak. They were the ones who were upsetting everyone uh, going into Portland. It wasn't to be though. Um, it was Portland with a 2-0 win. Mora in the fifth minute opening the scoring, uh, putting up putting Portland up 1-0. And then Strange Moreno. goal. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, it was it was then, a, it was yeah. I, I'll, I'll just quickly say it was it was a really poor clearance from I don't really know who it was. Someone in the Salt Lake back line. I think it might have actually been Herrera, who then obviously later got sent off, but um Mora did really well just to kind of stick his foot out and it ended up caroming off his foot and into the bottom corner. At first I thought he knew nothing about it, but on, on the replay you can see that he actually last second realizes, oh, the ball's coming right at me, you know, kind of just angles his his foot and passes it into the corner of the net. Yeah, gave Portland the early lead. And honestly, once that happened, I just didn't really see Real Salt Lake getting back into this game, despite the fact that they came from behind against Kansas City. But, you know, Portland have a different feel about them at home right now. And then when Moreno got that second goal in the 61st minute, you know, it was really like, okay, this Portland team is for real. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, that that Moreno goal, it's good night um, for RSL. And then, then the... Uh, the red card, of course, even put put it to bed even more. So it was it was at this point. I mean, fully deserved from Portland. Uh, pretty pretty dominant performance throughout. Nothing spectacular, but ready to get the job done. That's how they came out. That's how Portland have continued to come out. That's why I thought they would win this game and stop the RSL run, uh, as they did. And it gives them host to MLS Cup. It will be at Providence Park. Uh, on Saturday, uh, December 11th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 12 p.m. Pacific in the United States. Um, yes, it will be Portland hosting New York City FC at uh, Providence Park. Garrett, what do you see happening in that game? I mean, firstly, I just want to say, if you had told us going into the MLS Cup playoffs that – MLS Cup would be held at Providence Park. I think we'd look at you like you're a bit insane considering Portland are a four seed and obviously New York City are a four seed as well. But still, I mean, that's a bit crazy that we have a matchup of four seeds, but that shows you why the playoffs are so great because, you know, anything can happen. Um, and that is what happened a lot in, in this year's playoffs. That being said, one thing I don't think that is going to happen is New York City finding a win in this game. I just think Portland in front of their home fans in MLS Cup they have the quality, they have the fan base, they have the atmosphere. I, I just don't see Portland choking this away. I think, you know, playing MLS Cup at home is too great of an opportunity for them to, to not win. Um, and, and so that's what I think. I'm going to go 3-1 Portland is my prediction. Sebastian Blanco will get a goal and an assist just for fun. Why not? I like that. Very specific. I like it. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I agree with you. Um, I think Portland will get the win here at home uh, in front of their home fans. They are, they are a good fan base there. They will bring the energy undoubtedly. Um, I'm just glad that RSL didn't win because I could not bear having an MLS Cup final at a baseball stadium. <laughs> That's a very good point. 
it, I mean, it's bad enough that we're having it on turf, um, but it, it, baseball stadium would be worst case scenario. So thank yeah. God RSL did not win that game. Um, but yeah, it's, I just don't see, I, I think New York city will put up a fight. I see two, one Portland. I think it'll be a closer game. Okay. Um, so yeah. Castellanos I, I, I mean, is back, right? Castellanos is back. Over? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. He was suspended for the uh, conference final, but he will be back. He is available. So yeah, I, I just think Portland are prepared for this game. I think that, yeah, as you say, in front of their home fans, and, and, you know, Blanco off the bench, Valeri off the bench. These are players that have carried also. It, it would be amazing to see Diego Valeri finish his MLS career and walk off into the sunset with an MLS Cup, um, which I think will happen. So that, that'll be really cool to see. Uh, do you if, think Blanco's going to start in this game or do you think they're going to bench him again? Because I just don't see how you don't start him in this game. He's been too good. Yeah, I think he probably gets benched. I think Valeri definitely will because he's well, just, Valeri you know. certainly will be benched. He's that's been the entire year. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see like it's it's one of those things where it's I don't see why you're benching him. I'm completely in agreement with you here. I don't understand why you would bench him. Yeah, but he has been benched. Um, right, he was benched against RSL. He did play uh, against Colorado in that game. He started in that game. So. Who knows? Probably we'll see him start, but I would not be surprised at all to see him benched. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it'd be better to start him. Yeah. So also we want your guys' opinions, listeners. We have a poll up on the U90 Football Twitter account. So that's U90 Football. You can go ahead and, and go vote on that for who you think is going to win MLS Cup. But yeah, Justin, seems like we're pretty much in agreement here. It's going to be a big, well, we believe it's going to be a big win for Portland for, for their franchise for um, Timbers army and whatnot in front of their own fans, Providence park. Um, yeah. Book it Saturday at noon. Uh, should be a good watch. Can't wait. And with that, I think that does it for us this week. Um, as I mentioned, follow us on Twitter. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about MLS Cup. Obviously, it'll be our last time talking about MLS for a while, Justin, until uh, April or is it March, I think, when it starts next season. They've, they've moved it forward a bit because of um, the 2022 World Cup being in November for no reason. Well, for reason, but for corruption is what I should say. <laughs> but I digress. The point is, we'll be back with our final episode talking about MLS next week, as well as we have another busy week of Premier League action. So look forward to that. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening.